Hey, welcome everybody to another episode of the Uncomfortable Silence. And thought I'd just take a second to reiterate why we're doing this podcast. We fully believe that by sharing stories that we all have with each other, that maybe we can knock down the wall of the uncomfortableness of a conversation where we could get help if we did share more. So we're, we're very happy to have a guest in and have Quentin introduce him. And uh, it's it's a great story, but there's a lot to be learned from it for all of us. Yeah, I met Jordan uh, going into college. Um, we were playing pickup one day, and over the summer, he had just got to uh, campus. We played basketball together, and uh, we were in the gym, and there was one guy every time they scored calling out to score every single time. He was talking the whole time in the gym. He was the only one. He didn't know anybody. He was uh, trying to talk to everyone, trying to get to know everyone, and everyone was looking around, you know, like, who is this person? Where did he come from? No, none of us knew if he was getting recruited. And uh, But that speaks – Jordan is very outgoing. He talks to everybody he can. I've seen him sit and eat lunch with about 5,000 different people. Um, I've had the pleasure of sitting, talking to him in a locker room environment, playing basketball with him, you know, having lunch with him. Uh, doing Bible study stuff with him. Um, he does a lot of different stuff in the church community. Uh, and he has one of the most interesting backgrounds and paths to where he is now and how he got there of anybody that uh, I know, probably. Um, so, yeah, Jordan, ha we're happy to have you, and I'm glad we can make this happen. Yeah, good morning. Thanks. This is awesome. And just seeing what you guys are doing, um, trying to trying to support people in their mental health journeys. Yeah, so so tell us a little bit about your own background. And I think um, for everybody, they think their story is the only one out there. And I think we can all be more grateful when we hear the challenges of other people. So if you can take a little time to give us uh, your background story and we'll take it from there. Yeah, I, I think you're just right. The things that we deal with are, are always the biggest things that we've ever dealt with. And, um, and, and so sometimes I think we get in the comparison game, but everyone's kind of mental health journey is their own. And the biggest things that they've felt are the biggest things they've felt and are just as important. But my journey starts in rural Minnesota. Um, Twig, Minnesota is the name of the, place I'm from. It's not a city or a town. It's really just an area. Um, Give me the sentence you told me before when you brought up Twig. Yeah, so so uh, an uh, often said statement about Twig is it's called Twig because it's not big enough to be a branch. <laughs> That's a great line. Yeah, yeah. So, so Minnesota's commonly known as a cold place, but only in the winters um we have we have these beautiful summers and when you're in the middle of nowhere those are those are what you look forward to um yeah so i grew up in small town minnesota um but it didn't always start there when i was really young my family um lived out in wyoming my biological father had had moved us there and um, my story really, really starts before things I can remember um, with my mom and biological father getting a um, divorce and her leaving him due to 
abuse um, before I turned three years old. We moved the family back to Minnesota. We lived with my grandparents for uh, just a few short months to so my mom could get back on her feet and get a job. And yeah, that's that's really where my story begins. Yeah, and I, I think um, it's funny, right? We don't remember those early. In my day, I don't remember my early years that well. So I love when people say, remember when we were four years old and we did this and that? I'm like, oh my God, I don't know if I blocked that out or just have a bad memory. You know? So it's, um, so weird, you know, with um, the divorce happening and then how did things kind of, how did life change and how did past that and tell us a little bit about the dynamics of your family too with siblings and so on yeah so that was an awesome start to life because my grandparents quickly became my best friends we stayed frequently during the week on the weekends we'd stay nights at our grandparents and um but soon after that we moved out my mom got married again a few years after that and so I have a younger sister who's my full sister and she's two years younger than me, 23 years old. And my younger brother, who's a senior in high school right now, he's wrestling, doing his thing. And, and that's kind of where life started. I had a real awesome um, upbringing for the fir first, maybe seven or eight years of my life. And, I think most people think that you don't often understand the adversity you're going through at a young age. And um, yeah. And then as I got older, I noticed my mom started changing and things at home started changing um, her and my now adopted dad who, who did um, take my sister and I in legally, which is adoption and then um, they got a divorce and things really took a turn south from there. And where'd you end up uh, going from there? So you're, you're now, what, 10 years old, eight, nine, 10 years old. And uh, yeah. those are such impressionable years for young yes. people. And yes. uh, so where'd you end up? I find your story fascinating because it's so unique, um, share share with us the uniqueness of it. You know, yes. moving from one place to the other. Yeah, so when I was 10, we started doing the usual divorce thing where you bounce back and forth between one home and the other. And both parents were moving frequently, um, um, taking turns owning the family house and then living with, new significant others and whatnot and um and then things got bad my mom um frequently started filling what now in my faith i'd say a god-sized hole with a lot of different men and some of those men were not very good one in particular was was incredibly mean and so in the bouncing around homes um he was actually the reason i could no longer stay at home there was a situation and 
things weren't safe at home. Um, he was dealing drugs out of the house, and that was normal for what I knew. But now I realize that that's not a very normal thing, right? And so heroin and cocaine, he had just been in prison for shooting a guy and got back out. And um, yeah, and so I had experienced things like him holding guns to my head and um, things that now I know weren't normal, but at the time we're like, oh, this again, you know? And um, and so one day it was July 3rd. He, he tells me, oh, I have a few buddies of mine on their way to come over and beat the crap out of you. And I thanked him for the warning and promptly left home because I wasn't going to wait to see what that looked like. And, and from then on out, um, in high school, I lived with 17 different families. I wasn't in a government system or anything like that, but I was pretty well liked. I was a quiet but nice kid with an okay reputation though in every small town people kind of know you by your family um and so i was able to live with a lot of different families that were all just huge blessings but not able to stay long term with any of them um until this last family my junior and senior year of high school um tom and nancy aldridge were their name and they were just what I needed at the time. They were my grandparents' age. They were quiet and they didn't have many rules for me, which was good because I'd felt like I was a grown adult already having raised two kids. Uh, when you when you look back and you look at, so obviously those years are you're real young. And, um, you know, for me at that age, a lot of it was what I want to do is go out, hang out with friends, go outside, stuff like that. And you're at home dealing with uh bigger life challenges how hard was it for you at that age and like you said maybe you just didn't know better but when you look around and you look at other kids and other families and you're like you know why why isn't that my family was that ever something that you thought about yeah good question q and i was actually talking to your dad about this when you're from a rural rural place that most people in eastern Massachusetts don't understand what that kind of rural is because it doesn't exist. My closest neighbors growing up were over a half mile away. And so hanging out with friends um, was something that might happen every month or two. But I wasn't growing up in a community um, of other people my age and, and seeing a bunch of different family units and, and and some of that isolated me from knowing um, just what my situation really looked like. Um, but it also helped me not think that, oh, I was really missing out on what other people had. Um, and so then... Um, growing up reading was always kind of my best friend i read books on books um that's what i was going to ask how did you substitute if yeah. it's only a couple of times a month that you're visiting friends like so reading became somewhat something you became close to yes i actually read about six hours a day um which worked pretty well because i had about three hours of bus rides growing up but when when we lost the house i had 
a kind of a library collection in my room. I had over 700, well, I had 764 books exactly when I left home and I had read them all, you know, that was, that was my pride and joy. And, um, that, that quickly, as I got older, got replaced with, with basketball. And as I went through high school, I, I had a good basketball career and, um, and eventually that's, that's what got me out to Bridgewater. Yeah, so I I know you from Bridgewater. So give us all the the path after high school of how how the heck you ended up all the way out here, and we had the pleasure of getting to know you. Mm. So 2016 was the year I graduated high school. I had been my high school's all time leading scorer, breaking a 51 year old um, scoring record, and um. But growing up, I didn't know what a college was. I thought Duke and North Carolina. I thought Michigan State and NC State and and Harvard. I thought these were just team names. I didn't know that there was a school connected with these things because I didn't have people in my life that I knew that went to this college thing. And so the last family I'm I lived with um, really emphasize you should go to this thing called college where you get more education after high school. And um, because of basketball and because of my love for reading and um, that really helped my test scores from the ACTs and um, our standardized tests in Minnesota were really good, even though my grades were really bad because of all the bouncing around that I was doing. And so I was able to go to a small state university in Wisconsin called Superior, um, where I was planning to be a big basketball star. And my freshman year, and this is something that Quentin and I relate to, it's actually one of the things I think that helped bond us, was three weeks into my freshman year on a Saturday morning at 5.30, I ignored four calls from my little sister because it was early in the morning. And that's what you do when your little sister calls you early in the morning. But on the fifth call, I decided to pick up the phone and I got um, some of the worst news that I think a young man can get. And that's that um, there was a police officer at the front door and he had told my sister that mom had gotten into a car crash and had died on scene. Um, In the middle of the night, she had been drinking and the style of life that she had been living really caught up with her. And um, even though my mom and I had a strained relationship, I don't think that's news that any son wants to hear. Yeah, that's, it's amazing how your resilience during this period of time with all these changes in your base, you know, your physical base, where you lived and so on, that you were able to stay on path. And I would think the reading almost gave you an escape from all that was going on on the peripheral. Um, one thing that I really liked that you told me, like, tell us about, I'm just backing up to high school a little bit, uh, your experience with, um, I love your AD story. Uh, with the box and um, the coach's influence and so on. And being someone that's 
always been involved in sports. I, I think your story was great. And like those people, sometimes they're not the people you think that are going to make the difference in your life. But I, yeah. share that if you could. Yeah, I think, I think the awesome part of my story is it highlights how many people it takes to allow one person to have a successful story. And so um, I had an athletic director that knew I was bouncing around homes and didn't always have a stable place to live and, and knew, you know, maybe I'd been sleeping outside a couple nights. And, and so he knew I couldn't afford the fees for, for sports. And so one day he calls me into his office and he's got this um, not very heavy box sitting on his desk. And he says, Hey, I need you to do some work for me to pay for your athletic coverages. Can you put this box on my desk on the floor right next to my desk? That should cover the $180 for your basketball fee. And, and so I did the heavy lifting all of three seconds and didn't strain my back at all to put the box of few papers on the floor. And, then he told me that he had to use the restroom and the keys for the gym and for the light box and for the school were sitting in the upper um, upper drawer of his desk. And that that's information that I didn't need to know. And then he left the room and I promptly um, decided to take advantage of the new information. That's, a, that's such a great story. And it's, I think it's harder now for teachers or athletic directors to offer that type of help. Their own job gets scrutinized, even though the mission is always to do the best we can for young people. And amongst the turmoil that you lived in, that you had those type of people must have given you great comfort. Yeah, it was amazing. And, and my story really is a story of tens and tens of people just stepping up and sometimes like that sticking kind of their neck out on the line um, just to give me a better chance. So I know after your freshman year and after your mom passed, you had um, times where maybe you thought of giving up on college or that you had to go do other stuff and that you had a lot of uh, new responsibilities um, that like anything when that happens, life changes. So maybe talk us through how you dealt with uh, all those new responsibilities and how you, obviously you ended up graduating college and now you're doing great. So what happened there? Yeah. So that promptly put me in a very hard emotional and mental state when my mom died i was angry at myself for not having been closer to her when she died i hadn't talked to her in weeks at that point even though i had seen her that summer a few times um yeah i was angry and i was sad the world seemed really dark and and i didn't know what to do my mom died on saturday and i was back in class on monday morning um it didn't seem like it made sense to just um, quit living life just because someone close to me had died. I didn't give myself any time to grieve because I went into caretaker mode. I have t my two younger siblings that I feel responsible for. And um, promptly my basketball dreams came crashing down. Um, though the coach told me I could stay on the team 
Um, I lived in northern Minnesota where heat was an issue in the winter. We heated our house with firewood and I needed to be home to make sure that the stove was fed, which sounds like a silly thing. But when it gets negative 20, negative 30, negative 40 degrees below zero, like it does in Minnesota, it's a big deal. And um, and and I just started making um, hard decisions. Um, I, uh, you know, started leaning a lot on on girls in college and um, and and um, and it's actually where my background with faith began a little bit. And that's a that's all a story. Um because I joined the track team in the spring of my freshman year there at college once the weather warmed up a little bit. But that's a good part of your story and how important faith was for you. And, you know, however, like one of the things that we talk about is not making judgments on other people because that's what makes people not tell their story. And I think however people interpret the higher power, faith, religion, whatever, however they want to define that, um, just to know that there's something bigger than yourself. So, you know, that's an important part of your story. Tell us how faith kind of, how you got introduced to it or how you then applied it to your lifestyle. Yeah, so um, this isn't a glorious part of my story, but the early part of of, of my faith actually started um, because I wasn't being a very good person. Um, after my mom died, um, I had actually started um, just kind of living a lot. Uh, well, what was happening? Sorry, it's actually kind of hard to say sometimes because there can be shame behind how um, we respond to hard situations. And I had a teammate on the track team and he had a girlfriend who was also on the track team and um and and i was um yeah i was kind of having i was having a relationship with one of my closest teammates girlfriends i i um you know he was being cheated on but with me and this was a guy i was training with every day um but kind of in the darkness of the aftermath with my mom, I, I was making decisions to um, kind of fill the voids that I was feeling. And, and I knew it was so wrong, but in those moments, it felt really good to have someone that seemed to really care about me. And, um, but then I would just feel distraught. And so it'd be three in the morning and be crying. And there was another set of teammates that I was um, close with, and they were actually, um, the friend that, um, I was not being a very good friend too. It was his best friends. And so one morning I, um, go to their room and I just tell them everything that's going on. And, um, and, and so I'm just weeping, um, they're seniors and I'm a little freshman with teary eyes and, and they just pull me in and instead of judging me, they say, all right, well, we're going to have to tell, and I'm not using first names on purpose here, but um, we'll have to tell this person or you can um, 
but why don't we just pray about this and um, you can sleep on, you know, our couch tonight and, and we'll take care of you. And so um, now I did leave that next morning before they woke up because I didn't want to face them, but um, they started yeah, praying with me. And this, this happened a few times. I mean, it wasn't always about the, the cheating or the infidelity, but I just had a lot of emotions at that time, several months later. And, and they would always just not judge me and pull me in. And I ended up actually talking to my teammate and telling him the truth. And, um, that was, that was obviously hard as well, but, um, they, they started um, taking me to church. And though I wasn't very interested at the time, that was kind of the seeds for my faith. And like Q said, kind of from there, um, my story's interesting because um, from from kind of that point on, I started traveling a lot. Um, I got kicked out of school that first year of college, but petitioned that and I got reinstated and went from having terrible grades to being a really good student. I learned how out of necessity because they told me I wouldn't be allowed back if I didn't figure it out and um, started making Dean's List every single semester and graduated with a degree in social work so I could help people like me. Um, I really specialized in, in mental health in a thing called um, mindfulness, um, which is just a practice um, in all kind of steps of our daily life where we just try to stay present, whether it's in the tasting of our food or stepping outside and just taking a second to really, as I like to say, be where my butt is and, and just be present in, in the room and in, um, in relationship. It, it really helped ground me and and I started to learn these practices and these things, um, even starting help start a mindfulness center at my undergrad college and um, a mindfulness floor in the residence life department where I was working and um, really became very important to me um, as I finished up undergrad. And, um, and then after that, I moved a lot. I lived in Colorado for a while. I lived back in Wisconsin and in Minnesota. And I traveled to 43 different states. And, and while I was living out in Colorado, I, um, COVID started. And so I applied for grad schools and one of the grad schools that had all their fees waived and was free to apply to was this small state college out in Massachusetts called Bridgewater State University. Well, don't get and, the old Bridgewater people upset. It's it's not a college. It is a university. I got to tell you, and I love your honesty, what you say about almost there's a lot of shame there. So you're 20 years old, right? Something near there at that time. And I'm 60, and I felt the shame of not doing the right thing with uh, Cindy and then uh, Quentin struggling, and as a parent, you know, you feel a lot of that responsibility as well. So it never ends just so you can look forward to it in the rest of your life. But you learn, um, and one of the things that I learned from someone else was I almost got grace defined to me uh, by someone else and had to think about it, reflect on it. And your shame is just you being reflective. It's actually a really complimentary trait. But I guess when we're younger, we're always trying to put things in their right box 
And it's very hard, obviously, with all the other things you were challenged with. And Quentin talks about his group being accepting, too, when he circled back to a group of friends and how that changed his life. Yeah, different as far as yours was uh, with faith and stuff. But my friends all, you know, my friends are awesome. They all know no judgment, which is the best part of if you're going to share something like that and uh share you know something obviously difficult to share with and deal with all you want is not to be judged in the moment at least maybe a week later but not in the moment it's that moment where you throw your stuff out on the table and the other people either either decide to throw it right back at you or they accept it as the courage that you're showing and sharing them and uh that's very commendable like I always had good friends. It was different. You spoke to each other in different ways, but there was always that support system of friends. Um, so I, I just think it's really awesome that you had the strength to do that at 20. And, you know, I, I'm sure a lot of those friends may have remained friends. Yes. Yeah. So I want to ask you now. So I know you graduated um, grad school from the prestigious Bridgewater State University and so obviously your story and childhood there's a lot of you know the words that you like to use that well not you like to use but that people use of trauma and you know you have a lot of those type things and now obviously you're doing great you're doing a lot of different type stuff and probably stuff you never thought you would ever do um so how do you deal with day-to-day uh i know your faith's a big part of it day-to-day that trauma or those experiences how have you learned from it that kind of stuff yeah oh that's such a that's such a good question um was at bridgewater i became a christian um now my beliefs aren't necessarily the beliefs of the podcast, but they're one solution to how to um, a really big help on on how to deal with big mental health um, situations. Um, the The Bible probably has the most complex view of of what mental health is in psychology and in social work and. In sociology, um, it's very reductionistic. Um, we try to boil mental health down to these little boxes to try to understand it and help people cope with it. But as you guys like to talk about, it's very holistic. It has everything to do with physical health and mental health, how your relationships with other people, it's really all-encompassing. And this was something I learned, but yeah from my day-to-day life standpoint i think you're just right mark um in in saying that um there can be a lot of shame and um um as i started following jesus um the things i i learned was my testimony actually isn't just my own when i made jesus lord before i got um, as I went into the waters of baptism, I also learned that my testimony isn't just a story of how I made it out, but how Jesus was really with me through this whole story, keeping keeping me safe and looking after me and, and helping me get where I've gotten. I think 
the awesome part of my story is I can relate with people that have the terrible background that grew up really poor, that grew up with addiction. But now um, I can also relate with people that have had it really, really good. Um, you know, I, I've been very, very fortunate and um, I was able to get a degree without having any debt and I was able to work hard and save up a lot of money. I got to go to grad school for free, um, paid for. I got out of grad school with no debt. I've had awesome jobs and I can pretty much buy anything I want. And still, that wasn't what fulfilled me. And that's kind of where my faith goes in. And, and in the everyday um, walk of my mental health, it's... Um, really having this um well i have god to pray to every every single day anytime i need i've got a counselor on my shoulders i get to turn to the bible that to give me advice and and show me how to be loving and how can i not be the center of my life but how can i have this outward focus because i've been focused on um and that would be through jesus in, in my views and in my beliefs and that's that's kind of one of the things that we've talked about before too is that the way you live now you're never alone and loneliness is such a huge influence on mental health feeling no one can relate to you you're not loved by anyone you're not uh you're out there on the island with your thoughts and goals and i think that's something faith really plays a, a big role in too i mean i remember when cindy first passed and we you know, Quentin and I would talk about it, never having previous conversations about it, but just that, you know, she's always in your heart and and I see her in Quentin's heart day to day. And maybe that's that that's part of faith too, is that where do you think people go? I Americans never talk about death. You know, we live in the moment and never talk about the full path of life. And you could dwell on the past days of your life, or you can choose to to be grateful and and live the best life you can and share with others what you've learned. And uh, I just have a lot of admiration for you. If we didn't talk yesterday through today's experience, I would only know you in the one, you know, snapshot of being on a basketball court, which is not to define anybody. So I, I, I just think um, your story is probably more beneficial to people than you could ever realize. And we actually do share the podcast with the ideas that you have. It just gets spoken about different, you know, but we're actually on the same page, I believe, more so in the last 24 hours. That's what I've learned. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm so grateful for my story because I think that everything that I've gotten through and been comforted through, when we go through these trials, there's this really cool thing happens that we now have gone through these trials. It's really simple thing, but now we're able to help comfort others through the same sort of things that we've gone through. And because I've gone through so many things at such a young age, it really helps equip me to walk with other people and, and to not be judgmental um, and, and to be able to just be step in step with people as they go through other hard things. Um, and that's that's the part of my story that I'm really grateful for, that I'm able to comfort others because I've been supremely comforted. 
So um, I know you want to help others. You want to, I know you're big into, you want to spread your faith. So tell us what you're doing, uh, doing now, getting ready to go do. I know when we talked on the phone, you had some stuff you were pretty excited about. Tell us about that. Yeah. So I'm on this awesome internship through what's called the Beams Mission Foundation, where I spent three months serving um, kids from North Philly and all over the Philadelphia area over the summer at a at a Christian based summer camp. And so as a as a counselor and and a listening ear and a friend and an advocate this summer. And I've spent this um this winter and fall and now going into the spring um, at a school of missions up here in Boston nearby. And I'm in, um, I spend a lot of my time at community colleges, reaching out and sharing my faith. And I spend um, a couple days every week learning about um, different Christian topics and able to be um effective in in spreading this awesome gospel news and then this summer i actually um just found out i'll be going to nigeria um in order to work with the church over there and essentially do the same thing be an encouragement there to people that are going through hardship in lagos so at the age of 24 25 you see more of this country and 90% New Englanders, and now you're branching out across the ocean. Um, and you and I touched on it. You know, Twig is, like you said, maybe up in Maine. There's some rural areas a lot like that. And uh, Yeah, that's you know, a good, good comparison. On, uh, when the boating time comes. But uh, I really appreciate I don't think New Englanders get out and about. And that's really one of the beauties of the having these podcasts is that you do get to listen to people from different backgrounds and so on. And that broadens our horizons. You know? yeah. So, so it's awesome. Thank you so much for coming. Yeah. On. Yeah. Thank you. And I appreciate you being able to talk so freely about uh, your story and what you shared. And one of the things I've always admired about you and came home to talk to you about was that story. And when we would both be at practice an hour and a half early, cause we had, had nowhere else we wanted to be and we would sit in the locker room and talk or uh that is one of the things i've always admired you for and your faith and now my dad knows like i've been uh you know trying to read the bible and get into it a little bit more and we have conversations about different stuff and you were probably the first person really to get me almost you know back into it because when you're a kid you you know you're into it a little bit and then you go away from it but you were one of the people that got got me into that and uh so yeah i have a lot of respect for you as a person and your willingness to freely share your story uh with people all your flaws your shortcomings it's uh really admirable and i thank you for coming on today it was great yeah and i didn't know anything all the flaws what's that about i guess we'll talk about that <laughs> off. but um yeah i mean that so much can be learned from the bad experiences right and the challenges experiences I always I'm always a Dr. Peck fan. Life is just hard. And once you accept it, it's like, okay, that was a really bad experience, but I'm going to have the strength on it. Um, I certainly wish all the best. I hope our paths cross. You never know, right? Um, we didn't know this would happen. And right. So I'm, I'm grateful, you know, as a dad, your involvement with Quentin. And that's the best compliment I can give you. I appreciate that. Yeah, and I just... 
I just wanted to say thanks for having me on and for anyone listening, just that I think one of the biggest things that we can do in life is let people help us. Um, when you're struggling with mental health and, and you're struggling with life situations and, and the world just seems to cave in on you and maybe you're even thinking about giving up. I think um, one of the first saving graces for me was learning how to allow others to help. Because um, often people offer and sometimes our own pride can get in the way. Um, and um, I was just thinking, you know, if anybody wants to reach out to me, Q, maybe you can throw my email in the show notes or something like that, whatever, or your Instagram. And I just yeah. love what you guys are doing. Um, I think the the support and opening up the conversation on mental health so that people feel comfortable um, saying these things, sharing their stories, because everyone has an awesome story to share is a really admirable thing. And I just applaud and thank you both for having me. You make it easier. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everyone.